0: What a wild show we have today. We have none other than the irrepressible Charlie Kirk for both segments. And you know what, America uh, is gonna be saved or lost. I think this is it, this, this is it, man. We cannot do four more years of uh, $2 trillion a year of spending, 20 million people coming across our border. and finding a lot of them were out of the prisons. Uh, it's a weird, Mad Max world out there, but we have a chance to stop it. You know what's gonna stop it? There are seven states called battleground states, 19 counties, they are the future of America. We've identified those seven states, those 19 counties, and Charlie Kirk with his uh, Turning Point Action teams are, are partnering with us. It's one of the reasons why I want them on the show today. And you can reserve your seat on the front lines of the great battle for America by going to The Courage Tour. The Courage Tour. I said, Lord, what do we need now? It's Courage. Thecouragetour.com. And uh, reserve your seat. Sign up, reserve your seat. And by the way, make some kind of an offering or contribution. We're bringing the gospel, folks, to the 19 counties that are going to determine the future of America. There's 3,000 counties. 19 are the future. 50 states. 7 are the future. Bam, we're going where the gates of hell are located, and we're going to see God demonstrate his power. Go to thecouragetour.com, reserve your seat, and help support this effort to save America. And by all means, uh, make sure that you check out Arizona, April 21st through 24th, Georgia. On the 11th through the 13th, I just talked to Michigan today. Keep your eyes peeled. Revival's coming to a theater near you. Let's get into the program, and let's welcome Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk, thanks for fitting this in your schedule. Now, you're just done doing the strong church tour. Great, you had a great poster. Is it still up on the wall or did you take it down? Is it still there? Oh, it's still here. Good. it's still here. Great poster. Yeah. And uh, I regret that I didn't ask you about it earlier. I should have I, I, I wish I had because I would have I would have been there. If I just only yes um, no
1: it was it was an oversight you're 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 invited to all of our stuff Lance well, so there, just, just, yeah, if just if you hear about <laughs> it you just appear
0: well you know I'm like Larry David I I get I I said hey how come I wasn't invited and and then I then you know but Metaxas was invited anything Metaxas goes to I should be able to go to that's what I say
1: that's right exactly all right,
0: all right but listen you gathered 1,900 pastors and it has to be I mean this is what the RNC is supposed to do I won't go there because you've succeeded. In being able to make your point there at the RNC, and and I don't know, someone told me that Mitch McConnell is is stepped down today. Is mm-hmm. that is that a rumor or is that a fact?
1: No, that's right. It's uh, stepped down as leader, he not as his Senate seat. He'll it'll be effective in November. It's been a bad week for the mix. Bad week <laughs> for the mix. Oh, it's bad mix for the mix. and McConnell.
0: And I was going to ask you something. The word uh, uh, Kirk is that Scottish though? Are you Scottish? Yeah.
1: Well, do you want, yeah, of course, you want to know something even crazier? Strong Church is Charlie Kirk.
0: Hmm. Oh, stop it! Strong Kirk is Charlie Kirk, I knew it. I knew there was some kind of a a cosmic conspiracy here. With the Trump Meister himself being a bit of a Scottish reformer, you guys are quite a team.
1: we, we are rebels at heart, and uh, we're always trying to fight the power. And uh, it's funny, when we named our event Strong Church, I said to our team, why are you naming it after me? And they, they, they didn't get the joke.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. It's an, uh, now, now listen, this is really important. You, uh, you're getting these pastors together, Is the uh, and, and the left is obsessed with Christian nationalists. The left is obsessed with us. I just want us to, wanted to leave us alone, but why are they obsessed with Christians?
1: Well, uh, for a couple of reasons, Donald Trump won 81% of the evangelical vote in 2016. He won 77% of it in 2020 and more evangelicals voted. It was just higher turnout across the board in 2020 than in 2016. So they know that if they can get a three to four point dip, If they can erode evangelical support just a little bit in Georgia, just a little bit in Wisconsin, just a little bit in Arizona, and lose by less, uh, they hold on to the White House. And what we have seen with the pastors we're working with, with the churches that we are organizing, uh, both through Turning Point Action and TPUSA Faith, is uh, there is an unprecedented desire to take back this country, to have a check and balance on the tyranny and the nonsense that we're living through. And it's very simple. It should be Project 81, Lance. Uh, If we can get above 81%, there's almost no way Donald Trump loses. Let me say that again. If we can get above 81%, they know this. This is why they're doing Rob Reiner, Christian nationalism, David French, Russell Moore, that whole pack of losers.
0: And not only are they a pack of losers, but there must have been some satisfaction. I mean, bittersweet, though, it is that Rob Reiner has this great rollout of all those talk shows... Where he's talking about the danger of Christian nationalism, but then when the on opening day, mm-hmm. 85 theaters, they roll it out, and I think he made um, maybe 135 dollars, or something like that, <laughs> enough for lunch for the, for the for one of the camera crew. I mean, the thing was an additional well, not enough for lunch, lunch
1: for him though, but, but that, not, that's, no. a depper, that's a, well, that's, a issue. that's a separate that's a separate subject, my friend.
0: But but I mean, Russell Moore, we have to start to talk about this guy's Christianity today. Can you believe Billy Graham would have his the, the, the Billy Graham magazine would end up in the hands of a guy like Russell Moore, who is like a Judas to the church. I mean, he's always, he's the he's the go-to guy on the left when they want to bash us.
1: He's also the intellectual or theological ba- basis of these awful he gets us advertisements. It's important to remember that. He was the inspiration, uh, at least the teacher behind a lot of that, uh, a lot of connective tissue to Russell Moore. And let's talk about Billy Graham. Billy Graham was one of the greatest men of the 20th century. He doesn't get the credit he deserves for being called out. Is that he was a faithful man? He was a courageous man. Uh, there is a lesser known sermon uh, that I encourage people to find. Uh, it's uh, Billy Graham. It's called Communism, Satan's Religion. Uh, he, he he said that it, they, Christianity and communism cannot coexist. In fact, uh, if we are to have Christianity in America, communism must be defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, so Russell Moore is kind of he's creating this very secular New Age style Christianity, very heavy emphasis on feelings, uh, emphasis on. You know, trying to be nice and sweet to people, uh, and I would love and I would relish the opportunity to discuss or debate Russell Moore because he does not have a theological foot to stand on. I'm not saying I know the Bible better than Russell Moore; he knows it quite well, but. He does not have any theological backing to say that Christians shouldn't care about their nation, that Christians should be indifferent to the massacring of children, to open borders, mm-hmm. to an illegitimate corrupt regime that is terrorizing our country, to, the, um, to the, what's going on with the unborn and the abortion industry in this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Moore is leading the charge towards Christian indifference and uh, you could call it uh, this fake Christian neutrality.
0: Yeah, nothing like leading the charge towards apathy. It's kind of a confusion of metaphors, but it's the truth. These guys are trying to... It's like Tim Keller and uh, Rick Warren. What's sad about it is these guys in one era had such great credibility, and then when they're put to the test of time... Do you know, like... I won't mention the names because I don't want to constantly be bringing these guys up, but, like, so many of them quote Billy Graham. Billy Graham told me, stay out of politics. Well, Billy Graham was the uh, was the flamethrower that brought America into a great awakening following World War II because he articulated so clearly the threat of communism. And then he brought it home to the fact that either America repents and turns to Christ or it's going to be godless atheism is going to be the executing yes. finger of judgment. And you can't deny that was, that was the cornerstone of what built the Billy Graham brand. Then when Reagan came along and Billy's on The Tonight Show and you're in an area where Mondale is, you know, running, he, he dialed down the political rhetoric because we weren't at that stark moment like 1860 where you have to make a yes. decision. And so they quote him out of context. That's what drives me crazy. Now you're in a moment when you need courageous leadership. Talk about abolition or stop Hitler now, and it's like, stay out of politics. Billy Graham told me, stay out of po- It's like getting advice from Neville Chamberlain at the wrong
1: time. Well, that, that's right, and these guys, it's funny. They You isolated it perfectly. They're, they're insistent that the church do nothing. It, it, it's, it's a call to action to just sit in the corner and obey. It's, hey, don't engage in politics. It doesn't matter if the country's falling apart. And this is an op. We must be very clear, Lance. It is an op from Tim Alberta's book, The Kingdom, The Power, and The Glory, to Rob Reiner's uh, deal, to the constant repetition of Christian nationalism. They're trying to paint the faithful Christian patriots in this country as radical, as extremists, when in reality, we want a restoration of this, the U.S. Constitution that we want the Constitution to be restored, that we want a government that is responsive to the people, uh, we want a border, we want to say our children are off limits, and they do not want Christians involved in the public square, in the ecclesia. No, and no, 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 this is, I think this is so
0: important. It's so, listen, what you're saying is so important, because they are all over this, and people will get educated this about this Christian national debate soon, so they better learn our side of the story. They're all about this dominionism. I mean, they, they salivate over the thought that you would dare to have an idea that you would leave that little church corner where they want you to stay and get involved with the school system. But here's the reality. They're talking about these seven mountains and then I'll get thrown in there as a seven mountain dominionist uh, you know, architect. And I wrote to someone last night. They said journalists are after him because of his association with me uh, over the seven mountains. I said, you know what? I'm gonna flip the thing around. I don't believe the Seven Mountains is a theological formula for engaging culture. I think Seven Mountains is a blueprint for how the left took over America and is taking it over a cliff and dismantling it. From education, to corporations, to media, arts, entertainment, to their collusion with science and technology and big tech, to their weaponizing of the State Department, the intelligence community, and government. I'm taking the Seven Mountains down, presenting it as, how did America get destroyed you better show up in the cockpit, or they'll crash this plane. That's how I'm going to start to present seven. Miles. I'm telling the Rolling Stones now
1: what I'm doing, so you guys can get a lead on it. But that's how I'm going to approach yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rolling Stone magazine is was is, is quite something. No, but that's that's perfectly put, Lance. And we are called to be salt and light. Salt and light uh, in common change the environments that they come in contact with. Uh, you do not salt and light does not conform. Salt and light are change agents. Uh, Salt and light, by definition, go into places that are not like how they are and transform it to something better. So the question ahead of the church right now is, are we going to just kind of sit idly by and be a spectator during the most consequential and monumental time for the country? Uh, the civilization is completely at stake. Um, and the, they want the church to be obedient. And I, I could not think less of Russell Moore and David French. Uh, it's funny uh, with Rick Warren, I got in a texting exchange with him. Um, it was very heated. When you know Rick Warren comes out and posts this social media post where he uh, uses the eulogy or his eulogy of Tim Keller, who I liked Tim Keller. I don't think Tim Keller finished well. He was awfully um, awful on politics, but you know some very good teaching that I liked from Tim Keller earlier in his life. And Rick Warren used his Facebook post eulogy where he came out and he effectively said Tim Keller, who unlike other pastors, refused to engage in politics and culture wars. And I texted Rick Warren. I said, what are you doing, man? You're the one that tells us to stop being political. And then you use the death of Tim Keller to be political. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, so Rick Warren, I, I,
0: I, I, you're the guy that pointed out to me today. Uh, he marched in a Black Lives Matter. Here's Rick Warren yes, marching with Black Lives Matter, telling you, hey, don't get involved with politics. Next thing you know, he'll be showing up at Antifa rallies, pulling down statues. We got to get a hold well, of and, this and that's- guy.
1: And he tells us, oh, you know, don't be political, don't be political, and yet the moment there was this racial justice thing, has Rick Warren, here's a good question, because he says, oh, I go there to pray for them. Okay, fine, and the minister. Have you been to a MAGA rally, Rick Warren? Uh-huh, have you? uh-huh. And will he be on the Courage Tour? Will he even show,
0: will he have the courage to join <laughs> us on the Courage Tour? No. When we come back, we're gonna be talking to Charlie Kirk about this and other incendiary items. Don't miss it. I wanna take a moment to talk about the volatile financial time that we're in. And I want you to empower yourself with knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Visit lancewalnoutcom forward slash Birch and get a free information kit. Consider discussing how to shift your 401k or your retirement account into a tax sheltered gold and silver account. Why don't you go to lancewalnoutcom forward slash Birch right now and take action for a secure future. Well, welcome back to the Lance Wall now show. We're getting our flamethrowers and our asbestos suits all together because we have Charlie Kirk with us. Charlie Kirk, who is uh, the the the, uh, the brave heart of the next generation, going up against the long shanks. I'm sorry to say, of my generation, who are all um, who are, are literally just an obstruction to the progress of a great awakening. I believe the wrecking ball that Donald Trump represented to the of political correctness is now the wrecking ball coming to the church mountain. I don't think people are going to come out of this season without having identified themselves as either being, uh, it's kind of like the Revolutionary War. A third were for the Patriot cause, a third were against it, and a third were stuck in the middle trying to figure out how to avoid uh, getting getting uh, clobbered. So Project 81, tell us again, what is that, Charlie? What are we doing with
1: Project 81? Well, no, I mean, it, it's just kind of a it's, a, it's a working term of what at Turning Point Action and through our political vehicle, we want to try to have Donald Trump achieve more than 81% of the evangelical vote. Uh, in 2020, he won 77% of it. And we know how that all worked out. If you want to defeat voter fraud, I'm all for that. We have to secure our elections, Lance. Our elections are screwed up. But I will be totally, I will be focused on that more if we, ca- if we get above 81% of the evangelical vote. That's my focus. All right. All right and is I'll that if we get to 82.
0: We're yeah. going to do it. Now, you got me convinced. You got me convinced that Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin. We had this great
1: meeting, Lance. That was a great meeting.
0: I'm telling you, and, and then I'm convinced also I'm throwing Michigan in there because, you know, Biden just keeps, he gives the gift that keeps on giving. So he screws up in places that creates opportunities. And the Courage Tour, which is partnering with Turning Point Action, is going to be going to all seven swing states. I'm latching on to, uh, to what Charlie's got going on in these states because... Arizona, Georgia, we got April 21st through 24th. Mark it down. Uh, You and I are busy all the time, but if you can get there, I'm right in your backyard, Maricopa. We're out to get. Oh, perfect. Bam. We're out to hit. Then we're targeting 19 counties that we believe are the low propensity, which I would say is the sleepy Christian, the one that's the most affected by the influences of the Russell Moores and then, you know, these other guys. We want to awaken them. So we're going to go there and make a loud noise and bring them out. Georgia, 11 through the 13th. Now, now, I have a question for you, Charlie. The, the, uh, by the way, you can go to thecouragetour.com because we're putting yes. all the speakers, we're gathering them together now, all of the transgressors are being numbered together. But, but I have a question for you. You said something, and I didn't get to hear the rest of the broadcast because it got, I don't know, AT&T, uh, something happened. But, uh, but you were saying <laughs> how you were at Mar-a-Lago at this kind of, um, this moment, it was surreal. There's Donald Trump at oh, Bolsonaro, yeah. and you're having a celebration. And it, it looked, and then Mike Pence comes along very pensively with news on COVID, and goes, <laughs> and you're saying, and, and you created this scene for me that, uh, like the great Gatsby kind of gathering at Mar-a-Lago, and then you said, but then COVID, what are they cooking up now? You know something ominous. Yeah. And then... It's like a it's like a, like a radio show I I was in suspense so I thought I gotta ask you
1: live what's the <laughs> what did you say after that oh but I, the, hey I'm doing my job then Lance if you're remembering it with that great detail um so let me just kind of repeat it for your viewers I, I was I was at the, what was called the last celebration before COVID, uh, just by uh, happenstance, happenstance, and serendipity, at Mar-a-Lago. It was February 2020. We were celebrating the launch of my best-selling book, *The MAGA Doctrine*, which, by the way, is still as. Good as it was back then, especially now that Trump is running again. And there was, and this has been written up, this particular evening was written up in the New York Times and written up in the Washington Post, just because there was so much happening and it was such high stakes. So you had Donald Trump and Jair Bolsonaro on one table. You had Mike Pence um, walk through there, look very kind of somber. You had Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle. You had Jared Kushner and Ivanka off to another side. And then Tucker Carlson was there just to try to meet with Trump to say, hey, COVID is going to be the big surprise of 2020. He was there just for that purpose, Lance. And I remember witnessing, and I didn't realize what was happening as it was happening, but we felt like we were on top of the world. The economy was roaring. We just took out Soleimani. Trump was up double digit in the polls, raising record money, the endorsements. He was an unstoppable political force. Do you remember that, Lance? I I do, I do. The juggernaut and the economy. Boom, I mean, what could he do? And and that we had a border and there were no new wars and the Ukraine war wasn't underway. I mean, all this just, you know, this country that no longer exists. And, and the point being, as I think back to that moment, I remember the next morning waking up at 5 a.m. to fly to Los Angeles and I Apple News Alert after Apple News Alert, everything was about COVID. And the day after that, within a week, Lance, we were locked down. Within a week, we were locked down. Within two weeks, it was 15 days I saw the spread. Within a month, we had this mail and ballot nonsense happening. I tell that story because as good as things might look, what do they have planned for us this calendar year? Mm-hmm. That's why I tell that drama. Because it, it was, it felt like Gatsby, the champagne was flowing, things were terrific. It was just this amazing, all-encompassing moment. And, you know, I hate to not land the plane with the same sort of uh crescendo that it warrants, Lance, but I don't know what they have planned. But it could be anything from a grid failure to disease X. It could be um, third-party candidates, but they they are not going to accept the current set of circumstances, Lance. There's going to be a surprise. There will be information warfare. There will be an asymmetrical attack. There will be something that comes out of nowhere that might justify uh, more people to stay at home. I don't want to get into specifics because that's just not helpful. Instead, I can be confident, Lance, that the way things are today Will not stand from now to the election. We have too much momentum. We have too much of a following. Our movement is ascendant. It is increasingly popular. Their candidates are crummy. Third-party candidates are hurting them more than us. So your audience better be buckle up, prayerful, vigilant, and stay humble and run through the finish line now to November and be ready for whatever they have planned for us.
0: Wow! You know, no. So, so I remember. I remember that scene in Godfather where. Um, uh, We're after the Godfather's funeral there, and Michael Corleone's there, and then Tom Hagen leans over and he says to him, uh, "Do you know how they're going to come at you?" I remember I was with Steve Bannon, and uh, I was I was doing something at Mike Lindell, one of his one of his events, and I, I uh, interviewed him. I said I uh, leaned over to him. I said, "Hey, uh, do you know how they're going to come at you?" And then him and Navarro have these prison sentences, you know, uh, coming at them. Yep. And uh, and he laughed and, and he said, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "No doubt about it. They're coming at us." I said, says. And, and they're going to do it again. They're going to do it at this election. And you know what? I heard Peter Navarro at, at CPAC. If you guys haven't heard him, you need to listen to him. Because it ought to make you incensed when you hear when you hear uh, scholars and, and treasury secretaries and good men that are being put in leg irons on purpose and public when they could have just gone down and reported in. They live a couple of doors down from the FBI and could turn themselves in. The left is out of their mind. You're not dealing with it. The part that drives me crazy is the logic that the, the, these guys, you know, like John Maxwell will have and these other guys that the Democrats are over here, the Republicans are over here as though they're both the same and your goal is to make sure Jesus loves everybody equally. And here's what I'm telling pastors and I just got done doing this in Florida. I said, Jesus loves Democrats and Republicans equally and he loves all people equally. But you're not, you're not discerning the times, if you don't recognize, that political platforms are based on policies. And if the policy is slavery, or the policy is kill the Jew, it's an evil platform. You have a moral obligation not to be a, a a sycophant for your favorite person on top of the ticket, but to be a voice against the policies and the platform that is dangerous. To be neutral when slavery is on the table will be an embarrassment to you after the Civil War is over. And that's exactly where a lot of pastors need to be thinking right now. If you're look, if your people look back at you as neutral at a time of crises in American history because you can discern a platform, look at what the platform for transgender mutilation of children is or my, my daughter-in-law is like I'm just looking at that baby and it's six months. I'm looking at this I'm looking at the pictures and all that stuff. I'm thinking you, can you imagine somebody wanting to go to the ninth month and destroying this life? I want to look at this thing through the lens of reality and say I can't be neutral when
1: this is the culture that is being formed. Does that make sense? Yes, and it's important to understand that God's law is not equally applied to both party platforms. There's some things I wish the Republicans got better, but let's just go through the issue you talk about. Which side will protect children from medical mutilation? The Republican Party. Which side is the pro-life party? The Republican Party. Which side has borders? The Republican Party. Which side believes that the church will never be deemed non essential again? The Republican Party. Which side believes that God created male and female? The Republican Party. Hard stop, Lance. Hard stop. There is not a single biblical issue guided by God's law that the Democrat Party embraces. Let me say that again. There is not, if somebody can prove me wrong on that, you're welcome on my program and good luck because you better have your Bibles ready. Show me a single Plank of the Democrat Party that is consistent with God's law and God's intent for how human beings are to govern themselves and to live. And I heard this
0: guy; on uh, as so well put. That's why we're fired up. You got to stay on the line, uh, firing line, there, Charlie. I listened to this guy on Glenn Beck, this pastor, and he said, uh, he said, here's the genius, the serpentine, subtle strategy of the devil. He took abortion, um, uh, gender, sexuality. Um, border security, and debt, $35 trillion of debt. He said he took, the devil took those themes and he moved them from being moral issues to political planks in the party platform of the Democrat party. The moment they became wraparound championed by the Democrat party, yes. they became political. Hence, in the, in the kind of like, um, you know, Pavlovian conditioning of the pulpit, if it's political, We don't go there. We focus on the word and on the kingdom. Jesus is the only one. I'm not looking for a president to save me. I'm looking for Jesus. And so all the moral issues that you need clarity and culture on, the pulpit will avoid because they're political. In fact, they're moral
1: issues that have been co-opted by a party on the wrong side of the issue. That's right. That's right. And it comes down to God's law. And it comes down to the eternal law, that is beautifully put in the 66 books of the Bible, and you do not have to look much farther than, let's just say, the Decalogue. Ev- the Democrat Party on a daily basis is violating— what's the Decalogue? Is violating just, just for, just for my people, the Decalogue is— The Ten Commandments. Thank you. The Ten Commandments. Yes. And so you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any craving images, so on and so forth. Honor, your mother and father, so may you live long in the land of which you are in. For six days you shall work. For one day you shall rest, right? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not cover your neighbor's property. The Democrat Party actively violates several of the 10 commandments just by existence, whether it be murder, abortion, Covet, covetnesses. Their entire platform par- is based on greed and Covet-ness- to covet, to want the other.
0: We need to do a program just on "Thou shalt not covet" because okay. it talks about taking what isn't yours or lusting for what someone That's else right. has that you want to get. But we're out of time. I can hardly believe it. This. But I just- also
1: the parents one. I, I can't. You can't forget the parents, though. The entire Democrat party is against parents' rights and strong relationship between kids and parents. Period. And, so. and, and
0: I might add that they're actually like in. in In Colorado right now, this is so frustrating. I'm working with parents, with mothers who are trying to protect their children from being evangelized by the left in art clubs, in art class, a Skittles class where the teacher brings in an activist who comes in and gets you to question if you're in the right body at 11 years of age or 12 years of age. And if you're not sure, then maybe you are gender fluid and maybe you ought to have this wristband on, a rainbow wristband, which makes you queer. Now you're part of Now we're gonna celebrate the fact that you're finding your identity. By the way, you can't talk to your parents about this. They can't be trusted. Here's the point. They're doing that in the school system in Colorado. Parents are rising up to push back against it. And all that they want to do is some ballot, we talk about ballot work, right, or or going out and getting some some signatures uh, for ballot drives. The left is using it uh, hilariously, or or shall I say furiously, on the pro-life issue. They're trying to fight back on pro-life and get everybody to sign the ballots for, you know, your right to your body. So um, I suggested, well, maybe you guys ought to, in Colorado, have something to protect your kids. Well, the title board, which is controlled by the uh, Democrats, refuses to let them have a ballot. And they refuse, and they're and they are literally resisting the ability of the parents to have a ballot to go out and get other parents to sign that they want to have protection for their children in the school system. To me, that kind of that that level of sophisticated intentionality in suppressing parents tells me there's a threat in America at a local level. You don't want four more years of that, folks. It's you're running into danger, Mercedes. Yeah, I
1: I know Charlie's got to jump, but I just want to come back to this idea of, you know, there are good pastors out there. And that's why Turning Point Faith is such a vital organization right now and what they're doing and equipping pastors. So, Charlie, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on that. We've got a lot of people watching. They can get some of these resources for their pastors. Yes. But go for it.
0: And we have great pastors. I, I want to say this. So, Charlie, talk about the pastors and what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, uh, tpfaith.com, we have created a buffet line of best resources for pastors that want to get engaged in biblical citizenship, uh, guest speakers. Uh, We are doing a nationwide screening of the Letter to the American Church that we produced at TPUSA Faith uh, in harmony with Eric Metaxas and all that he is doing. Uh, So it's tpfaith.com. You can check it out right now.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, Charlie, thank you very much for your time. It's always exciting to have you on and to be able to be with you. I look forward to talking to you some, some more. God bless you and stay strong. Thank you. Well, we're out of time. I can't believe it. had a great time. Mercedes, thank you very much. Charlie Kirk, thank you very much. We're going to be back again. Actually, we're here every day. You can catch us at LanceWildo.com forward slash podcast. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Did you enjoy this latest
1: episode? Please remember to share it with your friends. Because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.